0: 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 1, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. This is talking about the kingdom of Judah, not the kingdom of Israel. The story in Kings goes back and forth between Judah and Israel, and we're now in Judah. I thought Joash would be older at this time. I thought he'd be more like a preteen, but it says he was seven when they put him on the throne. 2. In the seventh year of Jehu began Joash to reign, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. The Bible always gives the mothers credit for either doing a good job or a bad job raising their child. You always know what kind of mother they had by whether or not they followed the Lord, and that's why the mother's names are mentioned. Plus, these kings had concubines, it's important to mention where that child came from, in the concubine. Three, and Joash did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Jehoiada is a righteous priest. He's the one who installed Joash on the throne correctly and got rid of Athaliah, who was a evil, unlawful ruler, and she should have never been ruling Israel. She was not in the line of succession. And now Joash, thanks to his mother, and Jehoiada's influence, he is a good king. For howbeit the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and offered in the high places. Many times in the history of the kings, the one thing that the people didn't want to give up was their high places, which is their hills, where they sacrificed to pagan idols. It's saying that Joash honored the Lord, but he didn't make the people honor the Lord. He still allowed them to sin to some extent. They were offering sacrifices and perfume to their pagan gods, but they weren't desecrating the temple or doing other things. They didn't have their own temples where they sacrificed to gods. So it's kind of half in, half out with the kingdom of Judah right now. 5 And Joash said to the priests, All the money of the hallowed things that is brought into the house of the Lord, in current money, the money of the persons for whom each man is rated, all the money that cometh into any man's heart to bring into the house of the Lord. 6 Let the priests take it to them, every man from him that bestoweth it upon him, and they shall repair the breaches of the house, wheresoever any breach shall be found. Joash says that the temple needs repairs, and he's going to have the priests accept donations, extra gifts of money, to go toward the temple being repaired. They're going to start collecting money from the people, and this won't be by force. This will just be people giving out of joy because they want to see the temple restored. 7. But it was so that in the three and twentieth year of King Joash, the priests had not repaired the breaches of the house. 8. Then King Joash called for Jehoiada the priest and for the other priests and said unto them, Why repair ye not the breaches of the house? Now therefore take no longer money from them that bestow it upon you, but deliver it for the breaches of the house. 9. And the priests consented that they should take no longer money from the people, neither repair the breaches of the house. Verse 9 sounds like they are refusing to take money or repair the temple, but what it really means is they are deciding that they are going to put somebody different in charge of collecting the money, and in charge of repairing the temple, because they themselves, the ones who were originally in charge, didn't do anything. They have a new system, and they are going to make sure it gets done. 10 And Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bore a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar. This way they'll know where the donations are going and where to collect the donations, because it's going to go into a physical chest. They have a system now, which they didn't have before, but now they have a system for accountability. And set it behind the altar on the right side as one cometh into the house of the Lord. And the priests that kept the threshold put therein all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. Now the money won't get lost and it won't be like, oh, so-and-so gave this money, but we don't know where we put it. Whenever somebody gives a donation, it's going to go into that physical box Eleven, And it was so, when they saw that there was much money in the chest, meaning that the box was full, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up. The scribe is the historian. The high priest and the historian opened the chest to see what kind of money is in there, and of course the scribe will record it. And they put up in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Twelve, And they gave the money that was weighed out into the hands of them that did the work, that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders that wrought upon the house of the Lord. The ones who have oversight are like the stewards of the temple, and then the carpenters and the builders are people from the outside who don't work in the temple, but they're being contracted in to do the work. The stewards receive the money that's been documented by the scribe and counted by the high priest, so everybody's on the same page, and then the stewards use that money to pay the contractors. Thirteen, and to the masons and the hewers of stone, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the breaches of the house of the Lord, and for all that was laid out for the house to repair it. Now the Israelites are never allowed to hew stone for an altar, but they are allowed to hew stone for a building. Fourteen, but there were not made for the house of the Lord cups of silver, snuffers, basins, trumpets, any vessels of gold, or vessels of silver of the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. Whatever money went into that chest for the donations to rebuild the house was dedicated to that purpose, and it wasn't used for other upkeep of the temple. It wasn't used to provide any of the instruments or anything. So this system is working. Originally, when they said they were going to collect the money, no one took charge and made it happen. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. But now they have people in charge designated to do certain things, and it's now it's getting done. This is a lesson to all of us, that when we want to really get something done, we need to develop a system to make sure it happens. 15. For they gave that to them that did the work, and repaired therewith the house of the Lord. All the money that was donated for the repairs was given to the contractors to actually make the repairs. The Israelites were donating money for other purposes this whole time, but if they wanted it to go for building repairs, then it went into that chest. 16. Moreover, they reckoned not with the men into whose hand they delivered the money to give to them that did the work, for they dealt faithfully. This means that there was honesty among the contractors. Whatever money they received, they faithfully used in their repairs and in paying the manpower. They were honest about how much it was costing and where the money was going. Nobody was practicing extortion. 17. The forfeit money and the sin money was not brought into the house of the Lord. It was the priest's. The forfeit money and the sin money is the money that was paid for sin offerings and guilt offerings. This doesn't mean that the people were paying for God to forgive them. That's a Catholic tradition. That's not part of God's law. You never pay for God to forgive you. You have to repent for God to forgive you. But there are some sins where a person is required to make restitution. And there are also some times where the people had to pay a ransom for the lives that the Lord gave them. And this is so that they wouldn't sacrifice their children or their firstborn animals. The pagans would sacrifice their firstborn children, but the Israelites paid a ransom for their children. So that kind of money was used for a different purpose, but it wasn't used for rebuilding the temple 18 And Hazael king of Aram went up and fought against Gath and took it, and Hazael set his face to go up to Jerusalem. Hazael is the pagan king from Syria, and he fought against Gath and took it, so now he thought he could take Jerusalem. 19 And Joash king of Judah took all the hallowed things that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah his fathers, kings of Judah, had dedicated, and his own hallowed things, and all the gold that was found in the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent it to Hazael king of Aram. And he went away from Jerusalem. This is kind of sad. Joash didn't believe that he could fight against the Syrian king. It could be for multiple reasons. The Syrian army might have been a lot bigger. There may not have been good enough warriors in Israel at the time that could lead the Israelites in victory. It could also be because Joash himself had a lack of faith and he didn't really trust the Lord like he should have. He should have asked God first if he should make a deal with Hazael, or if he should fight him. He didn't ask the Lord. So that right there shows you that he didn't have a a lot of faith. He just looked at the situation and thought, there's no way we can win, we're going to have to pay them off. So he gave the Syrian king a lot of riches from the temple, including gold and silver instruments that were sanctified to be used in the temple. And now he's given them to the king of Syria. But that did pay the king off and the king left and didn't fight them because he was happy to get the gold and silver. 20 Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? We're going to read in Chronicles the history of the kings again, going all the way back to Saul until the very last kings of Israel and Judah. But you won't be bored because we're going to learn new details when we get into Chronicles. Joash was a fairly good king, but he was not a man of great faith. He obeyed the Lord in his personal life, but he did not force the people to obey the Lord completely. And he did follow the advice from Jehoiada, but he did not have faith to fight King Hazael, nor did he ask God if he should fight King Hazael. 21 And his servants arose and made a conspiracy and smote Joash at Beth Milo on the way that goeth down to Silla. How sad. His own servants killed King Joash. It could be because he doesn't know a lot about war. He doesn't know a lot about God. He was at a disadvantage. He didn't have the instruction and the training. And his own father were practicing paganism. He didn't get the instruction and training that he should have gotten to be a really great and powerful king. And probably his own servants see him as a weakling. And they don't want him because they saw how he just kissed the feet of Hazael, and gave Hazael a bunch of gold and silver, and that could have been held against him. 22. For Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, smote him, and he died. Now that is treason. His own servants killed him. And they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his stead. At least he lived long enough to have a son. So now we'll have to keep an eye on Josachar and Jehozabad and see how they treat Amaziah if they try to control him or if they have good intentions toward him. So now Amaziah is the 11th king of Judah if we include Saul who was king of Judah and Israel and if we do not include Athaliah who should have never been queen. And that concludes 2 Kings chapter 12.